So thank you for all the, the feedback from last week's sermon. I got a lot of emails and conversations that we had, and, um, and I expected that, so it was good to, to hear a little back and forth on that. When we start talking about the human body, as we will be throughout this whole series, we're talking about things by definition that are very personal. It's about my personhood and my body. And um, some of the questions that I got were very theoretical, but a lot of them also were um, very personal. People trying to understand uh, their their own selves, uh, trying to love and care for people they love and for their children and family members. So we knew this would likely bring a lot up. And so I hate that the, the, you know, preaching a sermon in that sense is kind of a one-way thing. You know how it feels like we're having a conversation here? We're not. It's just me talking, right? It might feel like a conversation. It's not. Um, and so, but after hearing feedback, I thought, oh man, I wish that was more of a conversation because there was a couple things maybe I could have said to clarify or uh, things maybe to leave out. But um, again, Hitting some of these heavier subjects in just a short period of time can't cover every aspect of all these issues, but uh, trying to lay a good foundation. So, and we talked about, as a, a lead, our leadership team, we're talking about how do we best keep the conversation going? Because there's, we could have classes or forums or different things that we could do, and we might do some of that, but we said, you know, really the best thing is personal conversations. Contact Pastor Dan. Contact me. Let's keep it going. Let's have a cup of coffee, and let's let's explore these things and ask the questions, and we don't have all the answers, but we're, we're kind of walking together through it. So thank you for, the, for keeping that conversation going. A couple of quick leftovers. There was, a, there was kind of two questions that came up more than once, and I want to hit those, and they'll actually lead us into today's topic. But, um, so last week, my first point was that we are created beings, that God made us, and that raised a bunch of questions for some people about God's creative work in the world. You know, how do we understand a creation, evolution, and how do we interpret Genesis 1 and some of these different ways. All I'll say is to that is that you either believe that God created and designed everything, the world we live in, including the human body, or you don't. And that's sort of the dividing line. And so there's a number of different views of creation that Christians can hold from a biblical standpoint that there'll be some variation there. We don't have time to unpack those in a 30-minute sermon, but... Um, but that's the big question. Elsewhere in Scripture, beyond Genesis 1, says God is the creator of all things seen and unseen. So either God created with design and purpose or he didn't. That's kind of the dividing line there. Um, and so it brings the question, you know, was I, have I been created intentionally or not? So that's kind of the first question. The second question was related to it was like, well, what about, um, you know, if I understand the Bible's design for you know, God's designed for man and woman to be fruitful and multiply, and I get that, but what about people who are just born, they're just born different? And, um, you know, kind of I was born this, this way. And I actually agree that people can be born uh, with different predisposition for desires that don't necessarily align with um, God's design, whether that's genetic or neurochemical or hormonal or some combination of those things. That actually doesn't change anything I said last week. Uh, believing that that is true. In fact, the reality is I believe that God's design for humanity and the human body is good and beautiful, but we all, every one of us, experiences that in a fallen way, that uh, although we are good and beautiful by God's design, that because we live in a sinful and broken world, that our bodies don't always function the way they're supposed to, and they don't always, our desires are not always aligned properly. So that actually doesn't change anything 
that I said last week. I actually believe we're all inclined to struggle and to sin in different ways. Um, whether you're gay or straight or you have no attractions or all those things, we're all going to struggle in different ways. And then the question then becomes, you know, how can we as a community walk with one another in love and sympathy and compassion as we all struggle in different ways um, and yet hold firmly to God's truth while we do that? So there's this grace and truth that we're always holding in tension. And that leads us right to today's topic is about struggle and suffering and pain. As we think about the human body, we have to talk about the fact that the human body experiences pain and suffering in different ways. So I want to look at that today, but let's pray as we begin. So Father, thanks for um, what you're doing in our community and how you're drawing us together and drawing us to yourself to follow your ways and to seek to honor you uh, in our bodies and, and with the life that you've given us, Lord. So I pray that in this time, as we look at your word, as we consider your way, that you would continue to teach us and grow us and shape us to be more like you, Lord, and to be more like Christ in every way. So may it be this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so uh, pain and suffering is is a very universal experience. Uh, People talk, sometimes you'll hear people talk about religion uh, and different worldviews and faith views as paths up a mountain. There's all these different paths, and they all kind of converge at the top of the mountain, and somewhere at the top of the mountain is maybe... Um, doing good or loving your neighbor or something like that. I actually believe it's just the opposite. That this is not true. That we actually have a common starting point in faith, and then the paths diverge from there. They don't converge. They go this way. Meaning, that starting point is living in a chaotic and broken world. That we live in in a world where there's pain and there's suffering. And we start there, and there's different religious ideas that take you up very different paths, and they kind of diverge from each other. They don't converge with each other. And so uh, we're trying to understand that. How do I live in a world where I have a body and my body breaks down and it feels pain and it gets sick and it gets injured um, and it feels physical distress and psychological distress and I experience losses in my life, losses of loved one, broken relationships, betrayals, all these things um, all are part of the human condition. And I don't know about you, I mean, it's... This is almost a daily thing in my life. You might wake up every morning very blissful. You say, oh, dear Lord, thank you for that blissful sleep I had last night. I'm ready for today. And you pop out of bed. That's wonderful. That's not me. It's common for me to wake up in pain or panic. So I wake up and I say, dear Lord, what is wrong with my neck? Did I sleep last night? I think I was asleep, but I don't feel like I, why am I so tired if I just slept a whole night of sleep? And, and, or I wake up in a panic of all the things I forgot to do the day before, or all the things that I have to do with the day to come. And so maybe that's just me, your unspiritual pastor who wakes up in pain and panic. Somebody came up to me after the first service. They said, look, if you're over 60 and you wake up and you don't feel any pain, you're dead. And I said, <laughs> so I'm not over 60. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but you may have a very blissful existence unlike the rest of us. But my point, you know, if you live a normal span of life, you're going to experience pain or suffering, whether it's physical or, or otherwise. And it's, a, again, a universal kind of a thing. I would argue today, and this is my whole point, my whole intent this, this morning, is to show you that in our faith in Jesus Christ, we have amazing um, resources to walk with God through pain and suffering. We have superior, uh, compared to, there's all kinds of ways that we can understand these things, In our faith, we have this amazing um, 
way to cope and, and walk with God through this. Look at, I mean, just look at these first verses of Psalm 34 that was just read for us. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The call is for people who are afflicted in life. And that word meaning afflicted or humbled or in, in a low state. That no matter what state of your soul or of your life, whatever pain or suffering, that you are called to be someone who's a worshiper of God. That you can still give glory to God in the midst of that. That's an astounding and an amazing uh, opportunity as people of faith. So what I want to do is I want to share with you some different uh, worldviews or philosophies that people have used to help, you know, different cultures and different religions have used to help them understand and, and walk through pain and suffering. And then I want to compare those to our faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm following sort of a summary that was uh, presented by Dr. Pastor Tim Keller and in his book entitled Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. If you're not familiar with Dr. Keller, his ministry, his writing, this is one of his best books, and I, it comes with my highest recommendation, because it not only is practical for people who are suffering or trying to understand their pain and suffering, but it's all, it also is a beautiful defense of the Christian faith, and a, and a critique of secularism as well, and, and I, I think it's brilliant, and it's well worth your time to read, so I'm kind of following his, uh, sort of his argument, sort of his categories from that book. He also just passed away a few weeks ago in May, and he died of pancreatic cancer, and so he's a person who not only understood these things and intellectually understood, but lived it with his life and in his death to the glory of God, and we're going to miss him. Um, we miss his influence uh, in our understanding of faith and, and of ministry in our country, so... Um, but anyway, so the, I'm going to give you kind of four categories of understanding pain and suffering. The, the first is a, a moralistic view. In the moralistic um, worldview, pain and suffering, because it comes from a failure to live rightly. You know, you, the idea is that you follow the moral code of the universe or of the gods, and then if you do that right, you have a good life, and if you don't, you, you suffer. The, the, the clearest expression of this would be the notion of karma, where if bad things happen to you, it's because you've done bad things in this life or in a previous life, and you need to do better, so next time your life will be better, and then eventually you'll make up for all your failures and sins, and you will um, you know, kind of be released and have some kind of, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be all atoned for, and through a series of reincarnation, you, you get there. So when you suffer, you can actually do something about it. You can do better, you can try harder, you can live differently. The second uh, kind of major view of pain and suffering is what we'll call the self-transcendent view. This is sort of the Buddhist view, where you, you experience suffering only because you think that you're suffering, only because your desires are misaligned with your experience. So if you feel physical pain, it's because you desire to not have that pain. And if you just change your consciousness or your desire, you'll you'll be able to overcome suffering. So if you are a sufferer, then you just need to think differently, have a different consciousness. And then you if you deny yourself so well, really nothing can really harm you, not even death, because you're living for your people and your family. So you even if you die, you live on in your children and, and in your tribe and in your, your people. 
And so that's kind of how you would process suffering. The third view is the, the, fatal, the fatalistic view, we'll call it. This is the view where uh, everything that is experienced, all circumstances are divinely appointed you know, by God or the gods or um, in Islam would be sort of the will of Allah. This is, um, this is how things go. So you, as a, if you experience suffering as part of the divine will, then you need to accept that. You need to submit to it. So if you're a sufferer, the best thing you can do is be noble and you, you press through it. And you don't compromise. You don't complain. You just find, you know, you don't to try to find meaning in your suffering some other way. You just embrace your destiny. And that's a very noble way to walk through pain and suffering. The fourth view is what is called the dualistic view. This is a view of the world where there's the, the, the world we experience is a cosmic battle between good and evil. And when you suffer or when you experience pain, it's because you are the victim of the evil in the world. So everything can be classified good and evil. And in that worldview, oftentimes there's a sense that good will, at some point in the future, triumph over evil. Or there'll be some kind of savior that comes and brings the ultimate goodness. But it's a, you put your hope in, a, in this blessing of the future. Now, these views of suffering that different you know, cultures and religions have understood through, through time uh, are helpful. These are ways to uh, understand suffering, to endure suffering, that you can take responsibility to rise above or to embrace it or to grow in some way through your suffering. But in contrast to this, I think about my faith in God through Jesus Christ. And when I think of this moralistic notion of suffering... You know, sometimes suffering isn't because I've done something wrong or because of sin. I look at the life of Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, and yet he suffered greatly. He's known as a man of sorrows. We sang that today. And sometimes suffering is just unfair. That you can't always have a one-for-one, I've sinned, therefore I'm going to suffer. It just doesn't doesn't add up. In contrast to the self-transcendent view, I actually believe that suffering is real. That it's not just an illusion. It's not just because my consciousness is out of line. You know, and again, Jesus himself, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We, we see anguish. We see in our faith that we have room to grieve and to have sorrow and not to just stifle our tears and to just change your mind. Yeah, we believe that if we get too connected or attracted to material things, that can be harmful for us. But it isn't about detaching from those things. It's about attaching ourselves to, to a loving God. You know, we look at the, the fatalistic view of suffering. And again, we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we, we don't believe that we have to just take it. That you read through the Psalms, and you hear the words of Jesus on the cross, and, and we, we see people crying out to God, Why, Lord? That we are people who can actually bring our complaint to a sovereign God. We, we, uh, when we st- remember we studied Revelation, there was that image of the, those who had, the martyrs who had died for their faith. And they're calling out to Jesus, how long will evil persist, persist in the world? Why not change it? Why not fix it? And just bringing those complaints to God. And, the, and again, in, in, in contrast to the dualistic view, you know, to, to try to categorize everybody as good and evil, in our faith we think, wow, actually good and evil exists in me. That the only goodness I have is because of the grace of God. 
to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me. I, I shouldn't feel proud of my suffering because I'm one of the good ones who's just a victim of evil. It's that, that we only exist by God's grace. And so these, these views, while they can be helpful, and, and we believe things that are similar to that, we want more than this. And we certainly want more than secularism. And I add that as a sort of a faith belief to this list. And again, it's kind of a non-faith belief. You know, a purely secular, atheistic, materialistic view of the world is that you know, you're, there, there is no cosmic good or evil. Suffering, you don't put suffering into the realm of good and evil. It's just um, something that happens by chance. But if you have a purely materialistic view of the world, which I think takes faith, by the way, if you have a purely materialistic view, then your goal is then to just be free enough to make yourself happy and fulfilled however you want to define that. And suffering can't be meaningful in that. It only interrupts your fulfillment or your happiness. Um, And the worst part of that is, is death. What do you do with death? A purely secular person, you know, pure, like hardcore atheist would say, look, death is just a ceasing to exist. So you don't have to fear it. You just, you just die. It's just what happens. You don't need to fear that. And, and I say, wait a minute. You're telling me that all the things that have meaning and purpose in my life and all the things that I, where I experience love will be c- completely ended. They will, be tor- they will be stripped away from me. And I don't need to fear that? That's not fair. (laughs) That's brutal. And yet, in my Christian worldview, I can experience suffering, and I can know that there's actually, whether I understand why it's happening or not, that there can be meaning and purpose in it. That's totally different. So I want to look at this, the Christian view. Four things quickly of of our faith in Jesus that help us to understand suffering. One is that our God is a personal God. Who is, who, yes, controls all the affairs of the world. It's not, you know, as opposed to random chance. We believe in a God who's in control, but that God is personal and desires fellowship with his creation, that God wants to be with us. And we know that mostly through Jesus, that the word became flesh, that God takes on the human nature and he walks with us, that we can know God, and that that God can be with us to help us to understand suffering and how God is using suffering, even if we can't see it in the moment. Secondly, that Jesus suffered. That not only is God relating to us, but God has, whatever the suffering of the world, that God has entered into that suffering. And we know that because of the cross of Jesus, the the culmination of God's saving work on the cross. We see Jesus suffering, and he saves us, not in spite of his suffering. He saves us through his suffering. He, He doesn't save us you know, in spite of the fact that he died on the cross, he saved us because he died on the cross. That's, that's, God cares enough about human suffering to bring the greatest healing through human suffering. So you say, how much does, God, how much does your God really care about pain and suffering? And we say, that much. Look at the cross. That's how much he cares. That's how much he, he desires to bring um, healing and hope to the world. And then through the cross... Because of Jesus' death, but also his resurrection, we can have assurance of our faith. We can know that it's true. That God's spirit comes to dwell in us, and our spirit testifies with God's spirit that we are his children, that we are loved. That when we suffer, we're not just being punished because God is angry or or that, that you're rejected somehow. 
but know that God loves me and he accepts me even though I'm suffering. And in these other views, that like the moralistic view, you know, where I just have to do enough good so that God will accept me, it's like that can't give you that. You know, the secular view cannot give you that kind of assurance that you are loved by a good God. And the fourth thing is our resurrection from the dead. I think deep down, really what we desire is that we would have unending love. You know, that we would have relationships that we're, we're, we're not departed, that death is not an end. And that's deep inside the human heart. And you know, death doesn't just bring nothingness. It doesn't bring some impersonal spiritual existence. It's, it's a, uh, a, that we, because Jesus rose in his body, that we get new and perfect and amazing bodies. It's not just a consolation, but it's a restoration. You get, you get paid back for the life that you've, that you've lost through suffering, through eternal bliss and perfection. I mean, that is an amazing resource of hope for us. Now, I'll say that. So with all those resources, I still can't answer the question of why God allows suffering and why God allows some people to suffer so much more than others. I can't answer that question. I'm not even going to try to answer that question. But I will say, if you don't believe in God, you don't have to ask that question. If you don't believe in God, you don't have to ask why suffering happens. It all just kind of random chance. But you also don't get the comforts and the joys that our faith gives us. So look at Psalm 34 here. I'll leave you with these last thoughts. I love the Psalms when we think about our pain and suffering because it is just a free pouring out to God of the human condition. This is people of faith calling out to God. And we, we see things like verses um, eight, like verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That God is, whatever suffering you experience, that God is close to you. Wherever there's, wherever there's pain or grief or hurt, you know what else is there? God is there. He's speaking to us. He is accomplishing something through that. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Problem of Pain, another great resource on this topic. But C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. It's through pain and suffering that God can cause us to grow or just to cling to him or to help us know that he is near us. Also, verse 19, look at verse 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. God's heart is to deliver people from trouble. When Jesus was on this earth, he was famous for healing. He was most famous for healing people. And he, was, he would publicly heal people who were crippled or had chronic illness. And he did it, he did it privately as well. Because it was just it's his heart extending the kingdom of God in this world to bring healing to the world. That is God's heart. Now, God does sometimes miraculously heal people, praise God, but there's other times when he doesn't. But that's not an indication of God's heart. It's not an indication of how good or bad the person is who's suffering. Sometimes it is in the plan of God to allow the suffering to take place, but his heart is to heal. Even people who serve him faithfully. Just read the New Testament. Look at the Apostle Paul, his life of, of suffering and hardship as he was devoted to God's good will for his life and glorifying God through all those things. Now, our pain is not pointless 
when we understand that God is in control, that God is working all things for our good and for the sake of his kingdom, for his glory. God has greater purposes, even if we don't see or understand them. Lastly here in Psalm 34, verse 21 and 22, evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned, the Lord will rescue his servants, no one, no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. We are not a condemned people. We are a people who are loved and saved by the work of God. That God will ultimately rescue you. He will ultimately make all wrongs right. And we can be confident of that. And he is leading us to a point where we will be free from all pain forever. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let us pray. Father God, we stand before you acknowledging that we suffer in this world, this broken world. And we don't know why uh, this continues, yet by faith we trust you, that you continue to accomplish your good purposes. We thank you for Jesus who suffered on our behalf. We thank you that he defeated death and he rose to new life, that we too might raise, be raised in a new body to new life. Thank you that you are near to us when we are in pain. We do pray for healing, Lord. I pray that you would bring healing and peace where it is needed. But Lord, even if we don't see the healing today, we thank you that in the midst of it, you never leave us, you will never forsake us, and that nothing can separate us from your love. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And we pray it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.